Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Howe here from the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, taking a brief break from Tools of Type 1s. Uh, I do want to say thank you for all the support on Tools of Type 1s. We have exceeded our highest number of downloads each month since the podcast came out. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really do appreciate it. What's coming up next, I think you're really going to like. Uh, I've got Chris Rudin, uh, Chris Rudin on Instagram. From the Titan Games, you've known him as a a big figure in the online diabetes community uh, for the last few years. Uh, Really incredible interview. Chris and I were recently, we run into each other a few times over the last six months. He came to Dallas for JDRF Type 1 Nation, uh, the Type 1 Nation Summit back in February. You can actually listen to that episode. It's episode 118 or 19. It's the last Diabetics Doing Things podcast that was posted. In that day, we talked a little bit about Stoic philosophy. We kind of made some jokes, realized that the two of us have a similar interest in Stoic philosophy. So that's where this podcast came from. It was just sort of an idea. We were texting back and forth. Hey, I'd love to do a Stoicism podcast. Sure. Uh, and, and this is what happened. So uh, we also had been running into each other. We both serve as advisory council members uh, for Zaris Pharmaceuticals. So I do have to disclose that uh, both of us received compensation uh, to be at the event uh, in Chicago where we were at to provide them uh, insights uh, and analysis for uh, a product that they have coming out. Uh, so I do have to disclose that. But this took place in Chicago after a full day of meetings. And so I'm a little bit fried. I'm very wired on caffeine and stumble over some quotes. Uh, but it's some really fun conversation. And Chris is just incredible. Um, he's one of the people that I think I've most enjoyed getting to know in the last six months uh, from the diabetes online community. Like I said, I followed him for a while, but he really is so much more than what you see on Instagram. We talk a little bit about that as well. We dive into kind of how we got into Stoic philosophy and Stoicism, uh, who our favorite kind of authors are, uh, talk a lot about mindset, talk a lot about expectations and comparison. This is a really strong, powerful interview. So I don't want to take any more of your time. But, uh, and please enjoy this really, really, really inspiring conversation with one of the most inspiring people I have ever met, Chris Rudin. Chris, thanks for uh, taking the time today, man. Absolutely, dude. Appreciate you having me. This is a, this is a very rare interview because we're, we're in Chicago. In person. In person. I think we got the mobile podcast rig. The same time, away from everyone else. Yep. Everybody else is in there snapping this photos. This is very rare. This is, this is nice, and I appreciate the time, because yeah, sure. I know you're a busy dude. For sure. Uh, you're Chris Rudin. You've been on the Titan Games. You uh, have, I learned on our panel a couple weeks ago, not only state records, but national weightlifting records. Yeah, so I have four state records and one unofficial world record in powerlifting as the strongest disabled type 1 diabetic powerlifter against able-bodied competitors that's pretty incredible 
I mean, uh, you I know. do do the best with what I got. You know, yeah. I, I was born with physical disability, you know, and I didn't get diabetes until 19. So I had to figure out how to deal with my disability and I dealt with it through being competitive, you know, like walking fast and doing everything I could to be as competitive as possible. I found sure. weightlifting and, you know, fell in love with it, found ways to make it work and always wanted to compete against people who didn't have the adversity I had just to prove to myself that I could do it, you know? And then it went from proving to myself to proving to the kids that I used to be like, you know, not thinking they were good enough or labeled disabled, you know? Some of the synonyms are disabled, weak, broken, useless, helpless. Some of these things are just terrible to be labeled as, and I just never wanted another kid to go through that, you know? So that's right. a big driver for me at this point. Well, and I think you uh, you came and spoke on the panel, and we actually put that on the podcast uh, in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, JDRF Type 1 Nation, and you had a cool uh, HbA1c acronym that, that really stood out to me. Um, obviously not the blood sugar measurement, but yeah. in, in your own words. So in my version of it was habitual beliefs affects one's choices. So I'm a big believer in the way you think, controlling the only thing you can control, which is the way you think, which is really the reason why we're here today, touching on a topic that changed my life, a philosophy outlook that changed my life. And when I found out that you were also interested in that, I was like, we have to do this. Yeah, and I think I sort of just made a joke about it during the You the said something related to it and I snapped my neck and I was like, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, I was <laughs> like know, oh, you do? too, you're, uh, you're initiated? As soon as that happened, I was like, okay, he knows this thing, I know this thing. A lot of successful people know this thing and do this thing. And I bet you want to know what this thing is right now. <laughs> so that's, yeah, we've referenced this thing quite a bit. Uh, we're we're definitely going to talk about it. We're talking about Stoic philosophy, stoicism. stoicism. Um, so I, I think, as you mentioned, there's a lot of the successful people. It's a very successful people of right now, as mm -hmm. well as, as well as people who are in our sort of same, um, you know, public speaking, very outward, helping people, training, uh, influencing, uh, in that sort of space, there are a lot of, uh, nods to stoic philosophy and stoicism and philosophers so i guess let's i guess start with uh, when and you know how you sort of stumbled into stoic philosophy for me i'll, I'll give you an example just uh, to, while you're thinking uh in 2016 uh, i was kind of going through a lot in my personal life in terms of i was uh, on again off again with my girlfriend I was going all over the country just kind of, and I was so tired and I got recommended this book by a friend who I actually haven't really even spoken to that much since, uh, called Ego is the Enemy, uh, by Ryan Holiday. And that book, you know, you, you mentioned changing your life really changed the way that I looked at myself and my own relationship with myself in terms of stoic philosophy. So how did you, and you know, what were the, I guess, circumstances and events that came across you discovering stoic philosophy? I feel like everyone had to discover this sort of philosophy around the same circumstances because I had probably the worst time of my life. Um, it was about three years ago, so 2016. Yeah, about the same, same time. Uh, it's going to get even creepier because, you know, it was a really bad situation. Um, Work-wise, just sucked. You know, it was at the time where I decided I wanted to quit my full-time job and work as a speaker and do things online and kind of run my own business, but I wasn't getting valued like that. So I had to deal with the, I'm not making the money that I, should be but at the same time i know this is what i'm supposed to do um i was trying to do some self-reading you know the tony robbins thing didn't really do it for me yep um and i found a book by the same author ryan holiday called obstacle is the way yep and i read that book cover to cover 
and then I listened to it as an audiobook and the principles in that changed my life and then it led me to the actual stoic philosophy and looking more into what stoicism means what it is and I'm just going to come out right before we go into what actual stoicism or stoic philosophy is um, I don't consider myself a stoic because I have my flaws I haven't sure. fully committed to the philosophy that we're going to talk about but I do take principles of stoicism to help my everyday life and it's helped me cope and deal with every sort of problem I've been thrown and I don't think it's a rah 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 go me style it's more of a reality what is you know versus a story we tell ourselves so I just want to make that distinction I still have some of my worldly values that uh sure <laughs> still fall victim to but I fully believe that as a way of life even if you take part of it you benefit so maximally from it and I agree. I think, you know, sto the word stoic as it, just an adjective uh, is not even close really necessarily. No, today's, to today's definition of stoic is cold and emotionless and removed and it has a negative connotation, you know, but the true meaning of stoicism to me is the control of emotion, being able to control your own narrative, you know, being able to control your passion, your pleasure and your pain. Because all of those things are emotional stories we tell ourselves. So it's really the removal from things that don't require emotion and the enjoyment of things within reason, so to speak. That's how I would define it. How would you define your stoic? I think for me, it comes back to control a little bit. And I think there's that uh, kind of like refrigerator magnet, like the serenity prayer, like, uh, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change and, uh, you know, change the things like Aaron, whatever, however mm -hmm. it goes. Uh, I just butchered it. On it's cool. Podcast. No worries. It's stoic. It was really <laughs> yeah, stoic. very stoic. Uh, except the things I can and, you know, uh, you know, the, and just like the patience to know the difference or yeah. whatever that is. And I think uh, a big thing that my dad was influential on, I, before I even discovered stoicism, you know, his big thing for me a lot of times was control what you can control. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times that's really just your responses and reactions to things that happen. And how am I going to respond to this situation? Or uh, something that I think you talk about sometimes as well is like, was, is it really a bad day or is it one bad or even marginally bad thing that you allowed to affect you for the rest of the day and affect your mindset? And that's where, that's where I want to really bring out that think about like a bad moment you had in reality. Let's say you, your tire went flat, you know, you can say that's a bad happening, but in reality, your tire went flat. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It had zero emotion. Your blood sugar, high, low, it doesn't matter. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. Right. The bad thing is we take what is and then we tell ourselves a story. And the story always coincides with how we were previously feeling. And it coincides with how we want to continue feeling, which is that's where people get that pushback because they're like, well, I don't want to feel bad. Well, we continue to tell ourselves these stories with these negative connotations and negative overhang. And we're going to get really good at being negative and not saying you should be a positive poly, but I am saying acknowledge a situation for what is and what you can do to get out of that situation. And there, it's interesting because there's a fine line um, between being overly positive to the point where it's not genuine. It's fake. But also, um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of things, uh, something that I feel like kind of an old man get off my lawn when I see this stuff, but people who wear shirts that say like, uh, lazy but talented or uh, I look I look this bad because I was up later you know I woke up like this and I look terrible or what it's like a negative 
on their t-shirt. Yeah. Like self-deprecating, self-deprecating humor to the point where it's just like, um, it's practiced. It's It's, practiced. Right. And it's reinforced and back to stories. So you, your thoughts become actions. Uh, and you know, you mentioned Tony Robbins, he's a big manifest your, Mm -hmm. your thoughts manifest into action positively, but the same thing happens negatively. And for me, something that I had to realize in terms of the story was, uh, I'm 30 now. Um, and as an athlete, you know, I feel old, I feel slow, uh, compared to how I was before, Mm -hmm. which is just reality. I mean, it happens to everybody. Absolutely. But that story I was telling myself sometimes was, ah, I'm old, I'm slow. Uh, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm in shape. And even though I was still practicing those things and actually was not that different, the mentality started to manifest itself. Absolutely. And the awareness of that came from the stoicism and the stoic philosophy of like, what stories am I telling myself? Like, what if this were just good? And I go a little bit to my, I don't know how much you know about my improv comedy background, but there's two things in that, uh, is saying yes and to things and like the improv philosophy of, uh, I often make my students say, I'm not going to try to do anything. I make them stand up in front of the class and recite this thing. I will not try to do anything. Uh, I will simply, uh, ask myself to do things, the results of which are neither bad nor good. They will simply be, mm-hmm. and I think there's that, there's that aspect, but then there's also treating every idea that you hear, like it's the best idea you've ever heard. And what if you took that opportunity with what happens in your real life? Like you said, that flat tire, Hey, what an opportunity. How can I turn this, uh, result into an opportunity and respond instead of react? Absolutely. So there, there's a few topics that just brought up. So one, I do want to cancel something out. And this is in my opinion. So a lot of people won't agree. This I is just, opinionated podcast, for sure. man. So um, I'm going to throw out the concept of everything happens for a reason. And I'm going to explain to people why that's not a thing, why that's not real. So everything happens for a reason is a great way to complete something that's not complete. It's a great way to add absolutism to something that's not absolute. If everything does happen for a reason, please explain kids with cancer. Right. Please explain, you know, my buddy died in a fire recently. You know, like, please explain these things. If you're going to say that they died for your betterment, that is the epitome of selfish. And that is the epitome of like, you need validation for your life. So what happens if you bring in the other idea and remove the emotion from that? everything happens we just like to find reasons for them that makes us feel better you know it's a great uh, pat on the back you know well i I stubbed my toe because if not i might have fell into traffic and i could have died yeah you just built that story you are telling yourself a story which is what our life is and that's not a problem but understand at the root of it when we talk about like stoic principles the reality is what it is the rest is the story we tell ourselves right so um, apply that to any part of your life. If you lose your job, if you get a promotion, you know, people, there, there's a funny proverb, it, a kid breaks his leg and the neighbor comes over and he's like, oh man, that sucks that happened to your son. And the guy says, maybe, you know, then they go to do uh, an army draft and he can't go in. And the guy's like, damn, you're so lucky. Your son doesn't have to go to the draft. And he goes, maybe comes back ends up getting a bad job working his way life away as a slave he's like oh man that sucks so bad he said maybe you know the the concept is we don't know we we really don't know and we we want to be certain of things so bad but there is no certainty so the only thing you can do is say what can i do with what i got where i'm at right now and that's my modern day version of stoicism is 
giving myself ability in the chain in the specific scenario if i can't change the scenario or the circumstance i can change my perspective or my mindset around the happening right and i think you know we talked about control you're talking about certainty now something i want to introduce as like a bigger topic of conversation as well in the social media space in the fitness space is comparison uh you know, because comparison is the the enemy of joy. Right? I was gonna the say, thief of comparison joy. is the thief of joy, yeah. and that's one of my favorite <clears throat> quotes. And a hundred percent is. And we today, I'm actually doing a post on this. So you guys are gonna hear it first. Um, today, we're in a space of influencer culture. We want to be an influencer. We want to be that person so bad that we are willing to lower our value and our ideals so that companies see that we want it so bad. They take use of us. They will basically promote you like an, ins- like an influencer and you will give away your value for free just to claim that name, just for that social clout. You know, social media is a mask and you give a man a mask and you see who he really is. Yeah, that's true. And I think... It's, you know, you see so many different things written up and right now the NBA is talking a lot about uh, isolation via social media where these guys are on social media a lot. They're just like us, you know, they're on their phone for a significant portion of their day, but they're reading things about themselves. Uh, they're reading speculation, things that are really not based in fact and they worry about it um, because they see it a lot and that frequency starts to creep Absolutely. into their mind. Um, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? What's our policy on this? Uh, because it is a real thing that affects these people. It does. I mean, there's going to be effect. And whether it's direct or indirect, you're going to have an effect of practicing negative self-talk or purposely looking for things that you know is going to detract from your end goal, which is going to affect your hormone response. It's going to affect your performance, your mindset. You're going to hesitate. There's so many problems that are going to come from that. And you're going to validate your own concern. You literally created your own problem. Right. Because you, you could have you manifested avoided. your own. You did. You really did. Now, the big issue that's going to be brought up with this when I say control the, you know, controllable is a statement I can't stand. Easier said than done. Hmm easier said than done and why why does that it drives me insane it's the biggest cop out in the world so uh anyone listening i'll ask you you know do you work do you have a job yes i have a job do you have to work yes unfortunately no you know you could be homeless you know you could live under a bridge you can give up everything you own you could be homeless it's my choice to. it's your choice to so it's funny that we answer necessity even though it's a desire so if we have the ability to convince ourselves that a desire is a necessity with work. We have the ability to convince ourselves that a desire to control our mind is a necessity. It's literally a choice. And even simpler than that, like the choice to control our mind to be positive or to respond versus react, also a choice. It is a choice. Now, it is a hard choice. I didn't say, I didn't say it was easy, but I am saying it's simple. There's a difference. So, You know, when someone says, oh, I get up and go to work every day, but I have to, I'm like, well, it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, but you still have to do it. Regardless of what, how easy it is or how hard it is, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. I'll I'll use an example from my own life and I want to tie it back to uh, when you talked about your journey of discovering stoicism and you were uh, going off on your own and you had made the choice to run your own business, but it wasn't as successful as you quote unquote wanted it to be at the time. Uh, and you're putting a lot of work into that. I, uh, really, I mean, really almost as long ago as five years ago, I realized something about myself, uh, in my work life, in my, uh, working and volunteering for friends and doing some work with, uh, 
my passions, but weren't necessarily like work passions, that I would bend over backwards for my clients, for my work, my uh, friends. But the first chance I got to miss an appointment with myself or uh, kick back a deadline for myself, I would take it. In some cases, for good reason, like I needed to rest. Uh, I'm sure as you know, uh, when you are working on your own stuff, a nap is sometimes your biggest obstacle. Yeah. Uh, because if it's available to you, you'll probably take it. Or yeah. why not watch an extra episode of Netflix? Exactly. Um, because those are easy decisions to make. Because you can blame yourself at the end goal. You know, it's no one else. So, you know, oh, maybe I can deal with a little less money. Maybe I can deal with a little less impact or work this month because I want to take that extra, you know, nap, that extra TV show. It comes on you and it's easy to take when you're running your own thing. And I think if, as I then start, started two businesses, uh, both of which I have significant equity in, in terms of if I'm not putting the work in, it won't get done, mm -hmm. especially early on. Um, it was really just breaking that those habits and like really starting new ones because I realized, and I think a lot of people realize this late, that that job you're working for the, if you stepped off of the curb and a bus hit you, they could replace you in two weeks, uh, you know, or less with somebody, you know, that they like just as much. That's the reality. And it's, yeah. and, and people are out there and I would be the same way. Like, oh, well, that's not me. That's not my boss. Like my company would never do that. It's like the world, uh, keeps spinning. And I think that's something that me as an athlete, and I'm sure I'd like to hear your perspective on this, uh, as an athlete yourself and as a, uh, you know, where really you're competing against other people. I tried for many years and you know, I'm still breaking myself of some of these habits to, I was chasing immortality. I wanted to hang banners. I wanted to build statues. And that to me was what I compared myself to, you know, these great, you know, men and women of our time, like that's who I wanted to be. And it took me a long time and really only recently to realize like none of that stuff matters. And it honestly took, I mean, this is, this is maybe just too heavy yet, but this is honest. Like it took my dad passing away for me to realize that even people who are super important in your life and a huge part of your life, the world keeps turning. The sun comes up the next day, the clients need their stuff. The, the rent is due. And you know, if you don't enjoy those moments and live in those present moments and appreciate what those are and have gratitude for those, when they're gone, you'll have been like, what was I worried about? Is this the thing that I worried so much about? And I think like, uh, you know, back to stoicism, like Seneca, you know, imagine the worst case scenario and live like that for two weeks and then think to yourself, like, is this what I feared all along? You know, being out of, whether it's being out of work, being out of shape, uh, having fewer followers, uh, you know, not having the latest and greatest tech or, or fashion or whatever that is, or house or family. Uh, and you look at those things and say, well, is this, you know, what, what is, what do I have right now that someone else would kill for? So it's funny that you say that gratitude is definitely a big component of stoicism. And for me, it was the hardest component to grasp. So it's along the same lines of what you're talking about. I wanted so much more than what I had that I had no opportunity to have gratitude for what I had. I had no way to appreciate what I had because I was so fixated on what I didn't have or what I wanted. So let's, let's be specific a little bit. Okay, if you, if specifics. So I wanted to be the best speaker. You know, I'm gonna make it relatively recent, you know, within the last three years. I wanted to be the, less, the best speaker. I wanted to be being paid, you know, 50,000 plus dollars to talk. I wanted to have people chant my name. You know, I wanted that, you know, I wanted to have, be that guy. I wanted to be that guy, you know? And 
when I wasn't getting that, you know, when I wasn't earning that, it, it just put me in a spiral where I'm like, well, I must suck or people don't see my value. I started blaming people, started, you know, off-putting responsibility. When the real responsibility was my ability to accept where I was, where I'm trying to go and the real mission, which was impact and value in other people's lives versus, you know, shiny letters and lights and names, you know? Let's talk about that for a minute because I think back to influencer culture. Uh, I wanted that. I wanted to be an influencer. Yeah. You know, I never wanted to until a client of mine put me onto uh, Instagram and I started growing and I was like, this is what I want. I was like, people can do this. I want this, you know? Well, and there's that sort of dopamine response. Too, oh, it's amazing. Right? It's instant. It's yeah. an instant response. You know, like you, you get this validation and it's an addiction, you know, we where it's designed to keep us on the platform, but it's an addiction to get that validation from people who don't matter. We value so much. And this is a loose quote from Seneca, who is a, one of the major three or four stoic philosophers, but um, we value so much what people say, you know, about us. It, I don't understand, but we don't value what we think about our own selves. It, it really doesn't make sense to me how we value things that truly don't matter. Not just talking about physical things, but people we don't know, we want them to like us. We want them to, you know, comment. We want them to be engaged. You know, we want them to do all these things for us just so we can say we did it, you know? And so for the people who do follow me, they might be like, well, it's easy for you to say, cause you know, you have a few thousand, you know, you have 50,000 followers and you have millions of views, YouTube. Okay. Let's talk about this. I didn't, I didn't always have that. Right. You know? um, that's today. Yeah, that's today. People see me today like, oh, you must have had it easy. So the backstory, and this is something I never really talked about on a podcast. Um, the backstory is, you know, I grew up on welfare. I grew up in a, uh, when I say bad area, I can't explain what that means. Um, I grew up in an area where we had to go to the church every week to get food. You know, my parents were constantly gone because they had to work and that was cool, you know, but dealing with a disability growing up, being made fun of and not telling your parents because you're scared of what they're going to react to. You don't want to make them upset. So you have to shoulder all that. Right. And then going from suicide watch to suicide watch to uh, abusing opiates and drugs and then to alcohol addiction, to getting diagnosed with diabetes, to wanting to be an entrepreneur, saving up money for years, spending $30,000 on an app that gets taken away from you and they leave with your money, you know, to moving to California, to messing up on a business and having to move back. Like I've failed more than most people have attempted to even, you know, try. And this didn't happen by accident. Now, at the same time, that gives me no right to anything, you know? And I thought it did at that point where I was like, no, I've, I've done, I put in the work. I put in my time. I put in my time. I put in my sweat. I deserve this. That's where I messed up because I fully believed that I went through enough. Like it, like it was some sort of equation, you know, like there was some sort right. of life equation. Like if I sweat enough, I'll get the end result. That's not how it works. Well, and I think there's a trap there too, you know, in today's culture of like grind culture. Grind, oh, uh, hustle and it, grind culture is terrible. You know, we, we value that. It's we insane. And it's insane. late, late nights and early mornings and, uh, you we, know, we value the work ethic. We value the Instagram. We value the influencer. We value the end result. You know, we want to be at the finish line without running the race. You know, um, and then we value, oh no, run the race, run the race. Then we really dig into the grind culture. And it's like, wait, why did you do the race in the first place? Oh, to impact and value those people's lives, to actually have some sort of value to society. We forgot about the value and we got obsessed with everything else. I want to, I want to go back a little bit because I think, you know, you admitted that you hadn't shared it on a, another podcast or talked about it publicly. How do you think you, 
where you grew up, how you grew up, sort of that independence, also growing up with a disability and then catching another disability uh, at, a, at a very young age at 19, right? Um, how do you think that impacted you today as, as the type of person you are, a guy who's willing to put himself out there and you know admit that he failed and also still pick, it, pick up the pieces and keep moving? I'm extremely fortunate because a lot of people have bad things happen to them and they make the choice that I made and they never come back from it. You know, um, there's power in moments where, you know, you have a definitive choice to make, you know, not to say you couldn't save yourself later, but I made some bad choices and I made some choices that put me on the right path. But ultimately I found out that helping other people help myself. I would not do anything for myself if it was just for me. I am a self-motivated person if I'm helping other people. So, I mean, this is almost like too corny to even say at this point, but the obstacle was the way. That is why that book made such a difference. Um, And if you take that, the literal book title and the quote that he was kind of using for that, the obstacle in the way becomes the way, everything that held me back has now pushed me forward. The reason I got on the TV show with The Rock um, is how I overcame the disability, diabetes, and the weightlifting stuff. You know, the the way I overcame drugs, like that was the, such a terrible time in my life, and now I'm able to talk to people about it and help them do the same. You know, like that obstacle was the, you know, basically turning that whole wall into door type thing. Well, and as, as I loosely prepared for this interview, thinking about you and what I know about you. I mean, your business is built on change. It is. And you know, you, you post and like other fitness professionals changes from your clients. But what sticks out the most to me is the way that you talk about change in yourself, uh, from really not that long ago. No, I mean, if we'll talk about disability wise, you know, I hid my hand for 17 years, my disability. I wore a glove over my left hand for 17 years. Uh, and I didn't take it off until less than a year ago. You know, and that was a very recent change. I had already been speaking. You know, I speak around the country. I get hired to speak at all these events um, outside of the diabetes community too. But even while I started that, I was still hiding. I was still, you know, uh, transforming, so to speak. Um, I still have stuff I need to work on. You know, and I think everyone does if they're honest with themselves. But I want to be the person that's going to show people the good and the bad. The what is? That's it. Right. What is, you know, stoic philosophy has been that principle that has kept me grounded and it's, it's kept me able to deal with the stuff that happens that I don't want to happen. You know, life is not by our design, you know, right. no man can control the design of life and we expect it to go our way and we're upset when it doesn't. When in reality, you know, you have so many people who are goal oriented and goal motivated. So everyone has the same goal. You take two sports teams, they both have the same goal to win, you know? So who's to say one deserves it more than the other? And I always found it funny because I grew up in Texas uh, and we invented Jesus. Uh, yeah. So uh, we would always pray before a football game. Yeah, like who's he gonna, who's he gonna Yeah, honor? that whoever would find favor with God the most would win the game. And I was yeah. like, man, I honestly don't know if he's Isn't that funny? What- like you're on the, the same field at the same time praying to the same God, hoping and he's like mm, who am i gonna pick but that's here's one thing that we know about god he loves football yeah um, so i mean that's gonna happen but then he has to decide who his team is so that's that's a it's a really funny concept to think about like you know just because it's your goal doesn't mean you're entitled to it and just because you didn't get it doesn't mean your life's over you know 
so we we kind of go into these extremes of what happened like in terms of severity like oh i i missed out on that big business deal i think about the worst thing i ever went through in my life you do the same thing think about the worst thing you've ever gone through you know at, at the time it was probably a 10 out of 10 yeah but in reality it wasn't i think about i think i think about that in the terms of time and, and, I don't, and this is obviously about stoicism i don't want to change the podcast to my own theories on time but <clears throat> when you're 13 years old every day is a more significant portion of your life than the following day. Mm -hmm. So we've been on earth now for, I don't know, you're what, 28? 28. And, and, and I'm 30. So, you know, the, the time literally goes faster for us because we think back to what a year used to feel like when we were kids. And, uh, and now it goes quicker because it's a lower percentage of our life. So when kids make fun of you or uh, a girl dumps you or you get, uh, you fail on the sports athletic field, you feel like that's the end of the world. Absolutely. And then when you're an adult, you realize, man, there's so much more life to live. We can tie that into stoicism all day, too, because uh, stoicism talks about the art of being present, you know? And as a kid, we are so present. That day is all that matters. That's right. That is 100%. Like, when you're going to recess, you're like, this is it. If I lose this bout of four square basketball, my life is over, you know? Every moment counts. And in today's world, we scroll away our moments, you know? We... we just are not here you know we go through the motions and it's so easy to do because everything is designed that way you know marketers ruin everything so sorry hey, but hey, it's the truth you're not it's, wrong it's your job you know it's your job to do, to get people into habits it's your job to get people to deliver desired actions and with i honestly media, i honestly go into meetings and i and i talk to clients about the war for attention. Yeah, that's a hard. Our only currency is holding someone's attention for a split second. That's it. And you think about it, you're you're battling people, and they they don't know how to differentiate the real, the now, the present, with like all of the stimulus that they're getting. So it's always going to come back to responsibility of the person, regardless of external circumstances and forces. It always comes down to you. How can you be more present? How can you value your current time, which is the only thing you can control? What can you do right now to better your life? And I think that's ultimately taking responsibility as well. And, you know, not to go full Jocko Willink on everyone, but taking ownership for yeah, yourself. You it know? is though. It's true. It's a hundred percent true. We always want the ball to be in someone else's court because it gives away responsibility. And it's very comforting to know it's not your fault. Right. But it's also very false. It's you, not. You true. mentioned, uh, early in your career, you, you would look externally, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of place the blame on others. Do you remember, you know, in that obstacle is the way type, uh, and you may have already answered this, but how, how did you actively make choices to focus on yourself and improve yourself to, and the way that you responded to these certain, you know, whatever was happening to kind of help you a with your mindset and B also continue to power yourself forward. Uh, it was a very, I, I'm good at being harsh with myself cause I don't take it personally and I don't give it emotion. So I always said, it's my fault. I took everything as my fault. You know, if I lost a job opportunity, if you know, something happened, it was my fault. And I don't mean that in the way of, Oh, you're self deprecating. I'm like, okay. Meaning I can control what I can control. I can take a look at this opportunity and be like, okay, maybe I didn't because this, because this, because this. Now I also knew the reality is maybe they just didn't want me. Maybe right. they, you know, but. There's external, it could be in any other no hundreds of factors. No clue. So 
it brings up a good topic that I had already started practicing loosely before I found stoicism and this just solidified it. So I think his last name is Covey, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective yeah. People. Um, circle of concern versus circle of influence, you know? So um, if you look at a titty, I'm gonna say male titty, cause that's yep. more appropriate. Cause sure. you can look at those without bras. Yep. So a male titty, okay. You got a, a circle and then you got a small little, little circle, okay. okay. I'm with in, you so far. This in, is this checks out in the major pectoral, major titty area. You got all the concerns, all the things you can't control. The what ifs, the oh my god, my life might suck. What happens if this happens? Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so worried. All things you can't control. Circle of concern. In the small little circle, you have circle of influence. Things you can actually control. What can I do? You know, uh, how can I react? How can I think differently? What physical actions or behaviors can I do now to make this suck a little less? that concept i was like oh dude this is amazing this is literally a diagram for life you know you draw that big circle in the small circle and you're like where is this fall i'm like oh it's outside of my circle of influence so literally there's no reason to stress about it easier said than done for me uh just that specific titty example uh i got in a knowledge trap where i felt like because i had access to all the information ever created I should access it and know about it. And that I got caught up in this sort of Twitter of the moment, uh, in the culture, you know, moments, pop culture, things that were happening that I felt it was my responsibility to deliver those to the people, even just the people around me. It's debilitating. And it became, yeah, it became mm -hmm. debilitating and it became, and I didn't realize what a trap that is where we lived for hundreds of years with, uh, you know, no news and just word of mouth. And then about a hundred years on a newspaper where you would learn about the news in the morning. Controlled. And it was very the, controlled output. And somebody at the end of the day decided what was important, put it on a paper and delivered it to you. And you know, that you didn't need to know every minute of every day what was going on. I remember, uh, you know, in the, in the peak of this or kind of where it started, uh, I was over at a friend's house. This is my like senior year of college. And, uh, Osama bin Laden, the news broke that he had been killed on Twitter. And I remember being the first person in the house who noticed that and told us to turn on the news. Uh, and then the president came out and he delivered his, uh, the announcement. And I remember being so proud of knowing that first and getting caught in that, I have to know this first. And there was really no, honestly, there's no prize. No, Everyone found it's, out. It's social currency. It really is. It's, it's such a good feeling of knowing that you did it. You know, like it was you, you're responsible. But in reality, there's no true meaning behind that, you know? And it's just your relationship with yourself. That's it. And there's a little bit of, you know, self-consciousness is going on there with, you know, you feel a little almost less than because if you're not that person, you feel less than about yourself. And well, then who am I, right? That's responsibility for you. That's, that's a, like you said, a relationship with yourself. And when you talk about stoicism, you're, you're okay with what is regardless of what you want. You're okay, you know, gratitude for where you are right now. Um, you talked about your gratitude thing. Now, I went to Africa, you know, and to see- Going back to diabetes now. Yeah, going back to diabetes, I was speaking, uh, to about 64 kids with type one in Uganda and to see how happy these kids were. And we're in this part of the country and I was like, wow, this is really bad. They're like, this is the rich area. We went to the poor area where they're literally in huts. We had no AC, you know, I'm dying because I'm, I'm from here, you know? Yeah. And you're from Florida. I'm from so. Florida and I was still, I'm dying, you know? And these, these kids, one out of 64 had a refrigerator. You know, um, half of the kids came to camp because they were hungry. You know, they, the, the nurse was stealing their medication. Like they, it was just such a nightmare. 
And to see these kids so happy and so thankful and so they would rejoice for each meal. They would rejoice to spend time with each other. They were so happy and so grateful for what we were doing there and so respectful. I came back with such a different perspective, you know. Was that the first time you had traveled to that type that I've part never of the gone world? to like a third world type mm-hmm. country before. So that was definitely a first for me. And that was a big eye opener. You you hear about it all the time. Yep. You hear about it in the news, but you turn a blind eye. Just as a, a, a flat tire from someone you don't know doesn't affect you, it's the same thing. Right. But when it happens to you, it's different. And that's that the selfish type culture that we live in. Well, and I think, you know, there's a million different wanderlust travel bloggers you can follow for travel quotes, but you don't travel really to see new places, but to change the way that you see the world around you. Yeah. And without comparison, even in first world countries overseas, uh, you know, I, I was very, very fortunate to, for my job playing basketball, get to see a lot of the world that not a lot of people get to see from where I'm from. And not realizing really at the time how much it affected me. And this is before uh, a little bit before some of the connectivity of social media where there was a trap of me being in my phone the whole time and missing it. I got to be very present and I'm very grateful for that. And sometimes that travel and getting out of that LTE cell phone range can just change the whole way you interact with everything. Um, so I, I mean, I definitely would encourage people to do that. I think, uh, I think it's a necessity. Honestly, at this point we're so dialed in, like I highly encourage anyone to get on a mission trip to something, you know, go to an area that really needs aside from you helping them, you're going to help yourself, which is inevitably going to change your perspective and help more people in life. Well, and I, I want to focus on the help piece too, because that was part of, um, changing my metrics for success when I started diabetics doing things, which uh, people who listen to the podcast have probably heard me say a dozen times, but I'll continue to say it because it's true. I knew I wasn't looking at downloads. I wasn't looking at followers. My key metric was if one person reaches out in the first 10 episodes and says this helped them, then we'll keep doing it because (laughs) ultimately, ultimately it's the, the, the only insight that drove me to do it was you're always happier when you're helping people. A hundred percent. I mean, not only are you happier, but you're doing good in the world. Like you, the, the value, when I say value, I don't just mean like there's a selfish component too, because that's life, but, um, you're valuing other people, but you're also giving your life value. You know, you're adding value to your life and to be able to create a success metric based on helping other people, not only are you always going to be successful when you do it from a genuine perspective, but you're always going to feel good. You're going to have gratitude. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to live life better versus always chasing a fleeting monetary or cultural, you know, landmark. Well, and I think we tell ourselves back to stories. We tell ourselves, well, when I have this job or when I make this amount of money or when I meet this person or when I live in this house, then I'll be those. I'm glad you brought that up. Those if then statements get people in a lot of trouble only because they usually have it backwards. Yep. If I had this, then I would be happy. Well, if you were happy, you might be able to get it. Right. You know? So if you're happy, you might start making the right decisions to start putting on the right path to get to where you want to be. People are like, well, if I was happy, I wouldn't get a plane. Well, if you stop wasting time trying to come at me and got happy and started putting energy into things that could earn you that plane, maybe you'd get it. Right. Or maybe you could realize you don't need a plane to be fulfilled in life. Right. You know, it's nice to have things, but it's even nicer to have impact. And when right. I say impact, that's what's missing in today's culture. Everyone wants followers and likes, but even the most, the, the biggest influencers have no influence. 
Right. I think too, uh, you know, something that it's easy to get caught up in, especially if you, you look at something again, it's those if then statements. I know there are people that look at you and they say, well, when I, you know, I'll be successful when I'm doing what Chris Rudin is doing. And that, or, that kills if, me. Yeah. That kills me. I, I hate hearing stuff like that. When people are like, oh, I just want to be as successful as you. Like, no, man. No, no, no. Like, I, I've been fortunate enough to get to where I am, but my mission changed. And if I would have started this a long time ago, I would have been successful from the get-go. I went through hell to get here. And not just to get here. I'm talking about mentally. I'm not talking about financial. I'm not talking about anything else. To get where I am mentally, I went through hell. I always encourage people, if they want to do something like what I'm doing or like what you're doing, strip it down of its basics. Stoic it the hell up and take away the emotion and say, what are they doing? They're adding value to people's lives. They're taking time out of their day to make sure people have better lives. And they're starting to get valued and they're paying their bills from it, which is awesome. And any extra is great. You know, it's, there's not a problem to want things. I don't think there's a problem to do that. Of course. But uh, you were talking about from the, in the beginning of this podcast, I want to bring it full circle, the whole uh, overly positive, overly negative thing. Sure. It's like you're walking a tightrope with like a big pole, you know, those balancing yep. act people. When you start to be overly positive you got to balance it out with some negativity you know uh, controlled pessimism is the thing and so it's sure. preparing for what could go wrong so you don't take it as harshly um, but also you get too negative you got to throw some positivity in there it's a balancing act so between positive and negative is stoicism is the story without the emotion it's the actual happening so and it's the balance and being present in that moment of understanding the pull present, from both sides you, well think about worry is about either the past or the future usually the future you know so depression is about the past exactly. you know, anxiety so about the future the present is the only way and people screw up the present because they have this anxiety because they have these things that are you know taking away from their present so if you want to be like me or you like a like a person you might idolize on some sort of tv show or something like that take that away and say what exactly do you want do you want the money and the fame and all that well because that stuff is easy it's easy to say you want those things it's easy to say you want that are you doing the work to get there and honestly that's such a superficial goal that will only end up in you being miserable. Jim Carrey has talked about that. Robin Williams is a perfect example of that. Uh, I think it was Jim Carrey that said he wishes everyone could be a millionaire for a day. Mm -hmm. I believe it was him, but uh, don't quote me on that. He wanted he's also to be big on kind of the esoteric and yeah, like yeah. he goes to red carpets and trolls people. He's, yeah, he he's loves super that. Great. Yeah. So if everyone could be a millionaire for a day and see that, or not a day, but like to live that life and see that there's so much more, you know, people are like, I'd rather cry in a Ferrari. Yeah, that's nice, but I'd rather not be crying, you know? Right. Like you don't have to cry. You that's don't. a choice. You don't. So, you know, don't, don't strive to be like someone don't strive to get to a certain status, strive to add, strive to add value. And I'm going to keep saying that strive to impact people, strive to be a good person and strive to define your own level of success that you can attain right now in the next day and in the next week and in the next month and build on those and keep building on those. And if the people around you see that you're a good person, that's, that's a pretty standout characteristic in today's world. And I think integrity, um, is undervalued integrity uh, is is rare in today's yeah. world and that's the unfortunate part because we're constantly wearing masks or gloves or whatever you're wearing changing you know? the message you know being, being marketers we're shape-shifting right? you know and we're not genuine and authentic be authentic define your goals remove the emotion from the story you tell yourself about your life and see what you can do with where you're at 
that's the epitome of living a good life and progressing forward. And that's really strong. And I want to, I want to kind of wrap it up and put a bow on this sort of interview. I want to bring it back to something a little bit related to diabetes, but something you were just talking about, um, you know, looking at someone and wanting the fame, wanting the fortune, uh, asking if you're doing the work, but also I think, have you, are you willing to fail? Um, something that I have thought about myself, um, and therefore maybe generalize people with diabetes or people with disabilities is we have, uh, and specifically people with diabetes, we fail all the time mm -hmm. with our day-to-day -day blood sugar management, no matter what, how, what way we treat, uh, we're always negotiating with whether it's what we want to eat, whether it's how uh, we're feeling, whether it's, um, you know, whether we want to wake up when an alarm's going off and treat or go back to sleep or whatever the case may be, or go to the gym, uh, or stay hydrated or whatever those negotiations are. And I have a, a theory that people with chronic illnesses and uh, people with diabetes are better at failing because they're used to it and they're used to not letting it affect them. So how do you perceive failure and look at your, look at your past failures? I feel like you're setting me up on this one. Cause you knew like an alley-oop, like you just knew I was oh, going to come and dunk you, this. Oh, dude, like, I'm, I am like, you are Blake Griffin right so now. I'm just exciting. like laying this up. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay. So we're going to do a quick little English lesson Let's for everyone listening. Okay. Fail to fail is a verb failure is a noun there's a huge difference between failing and being a failure so the act or i should say art of failing it's a skill you know you get good at it you understand that you know without light you don't know darkness without darkness there is no light without pain you can't appreciate pleasure you cannot succeed without failing unless you're a hedge fund you know baby and that you didn't succeed you just got it passed down in order to know good blood sugar you have to know bad you have to know what differentiate and defines bad you have to get intimate with it. you have to know it you know no successful person in any sport or business that they've rightfully earned it so ever went without failure you know we put a negative connotation on fail to fail because it's it's uncomfortable it's definitely uncomfortable it can almost cause ourselves to convince ourselves like oh you know it's my fault i'm i'm a bad person getting that self-deprecating talk right that's us that's a choice failing is fine being a failure is not one is a mistake you can learn from and grow from one is an eternal choice it's a long lasting or lifelong choice of giving up, not trying, not learning and not growing. You know, um, so many things come from pressure. Um, you talk about diamonds, you talk about things like that. You can put all the metaphors all day, but in reality, like until you're pushed, you won't know how hard you can push back. I love it, man. That was a solid dunk. You just, I was you like just dunked on the end of this 360, podcast. like yeah. I'm going in on that this was, one. I was like, the fact that you said the failing, like I have a, a clothing brand coming out called fail forward. And, uh, the book I'm actually writing my first ever like legit self book, um, is about failure. So when you said that, I'm like, Oh, this is so good. So, sometimes I'm like going like, through my head. I'm like, Oh, which one, which one do I say? Which one? <laughs> but it, honestly, like I, I have a really good relationship with, you know, failing and, uh, I've been fortunate enough to build a little resilience, I think from the diabetes, from having a disability, you know, 
of dealing with that and understanding it's okay. The gym is a perfect example of like dealing with constant failures and knowing that like, oh, I failed, it's okay. Um, but I think developing an okay relationship with your ability to succeed and fail, you know, it's a necessity to constantly move forward. I love it. Well, I'm glad I got to pro- plug your book uh, before. It comes I was like, that's out. incredible. I'm like, that, I'm like, I'm not going to drop the name or anything, but I'm going to say like, that is, I appreciate that. We did not plan that at all, by the way. So we, that was, we did not, that's most incredible. Of this podcast, in fact, this was absolutely, we're sitting in like a dirty room that they didn't clean yet for this conference. I'm room. sure it's they're great. waiting to get in here and clean. They it. probably passed by like four times. Like these two guys with mics are being super weird. Uh, Chris, uh, I appreciate the time. Man. Absolutely, uh, dude. I had a great time. This w- is awesome. What you do for the community, I think, uh, both online and your uh, you know crafted persona and what you do there, uh, you managed to exceed that by 10x, I think, or more in person. And it's great to get to know you the last couple of weeks because uh, I've you know followed you for some years now, uh, and I think you ha- you can find yourself. Uh, building opinions about people. It's easy to. Easy to, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think just like getting to know you over the last couple of weeks has been awesome. Uh, what you do for the community, I'm super proud to know you and uh, to be a part of your type 1 diabetes uh, fam. And then also, you know, be able to have you come on my podcast and use a titty metaphor. For sure, absolutely. I had to drop that, but just know it was a guy's titty, not a girl's girl's Correct. bosom. That's, I'm, I have respect. I'll put some respect on my name, okay? If you somehow don't follow Chris <laughs> Rudin already on Instagram, he's, he's at Chris Rudin. Uh, check out his YouTube videos if you haven't been one of the 50 million or more people who've already watched it. Uh, and guys, just know that, like, the stuff Rob's doing here is so valuable to people. You know, like, he, he values so many people and gives his time to do this stuff so i know he says you know if he helps one person he helps a lot more than that so um just give rob credit he deserves you know you're doing you're doing really good in this community and like i love seeing people who have a genuine perspective like you said you know we follow each other we know of a lot of people but there's very few people you get to meet and you're like wow you're actually a real legit person you know like you you walk the walk you talk the talk and you live the life so live that like life semi stoically and uh add yeah, value and uh, just trust that we'll both be fighting our uh fighting our balance uh, yeah. throughout the whole way for That's sure life. don't have it figured out for sure thank you again for having me of course thanks for coming thank you for listening to this podcast it's been an amazing journey thus far and i have a lot of really great stuff coming up in the future uh so i'm going to do something that i haven't asked before uh if you're listening to this podcast Uh, A, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast just so you get the notifications whenever we publish new episodes because if you've been listening for a while, you know I don't always publish them consistently. Sometimes I'll publish five in a week. Sometimes it'll be only a couple in a month and you need to know when these episodes drop. So be sure to subscribe. And if you like the podcast, be sure to go to your preferred platform like iTunes and leave a review. I would love to boost my reviews and I've never asked you guys to do that before. So I figured you don't ASK, you don't GET. I would love a review from you. So I want to hear from you there. Also, we are now available on Spotify. Turns out I was just submitting it to Spotify incorrectly, but I corrected that. So now we're on Spotify. So if that's your preferred listening platform, be sure to subscribe on there.
Also, just want to let you know that in 2019, we have an awesome new program coming called Tools of Type 1s. It's going to be on this podcast, so you don't have to subscribe anywhere new, but it's going to be an entirely new form of programming with some of your favorite Type 1 personalities. So they're going to be two a week starting January 8th. Be sure to tune in, and I'm going to blast all the messaging I can all around. So be sure to listen to Tools of Type 1s launching January 8th, and thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast.